Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Brandon Marceau of 24-7 Sports covering all things college football. Brandon, man, it's been a while. Appreciate you joining us. How are you doing this afternoon? Doing great. How are you guys? Well, we're doing good, man. We're doing good. Obviously, uh, we've been recapping a little bit of the end of the Razorback basketball season, but we also know the Razorback football spring season is going on, just like a lot of SEC teams there as well. And uh, I know that uh, you cover a lot of different uh, SEC spring practices and all that fun stuff too, but just kind of looking at Arkansas, man, now that you're kind of here and kind of seeing exactly uh, what some of the, maybe the storylines are, what would you make of what the story is for Arkansas this spring practice right now? Well, I haven't followed Arkansas too closely this spring, but to, to me, I, I kind of want to hear more about how they're going to replace the production at receiver and whether there's going to be a game breaker there after the, what they've lost this past year. I got a lot of confidence in KJ Jefferson, a quarterback, obviously, like like the coaches do, but I want to see some of those guys develop in that receiver core. I think the Razorbacks are going to be just fine at running back. I think we all know that. And, of course, on defense, that defensive secondary, replacing all those players who went into the transfer portal and then the players they brought in, of course, uh, out of the SEC from LSU and, of course, uh, the linebacker out of Alabama. I want to see how those guys are kind of acclimating the things. And to be quite honest, I'm hoping uh, later this week and early next week I'm going to be getting uh, some in-person eyes on, on the Razorbacks. So KJ was able to develop quite a bit throughout the season from beginning to end. We saw the growth. What more would you like to see from KJ? You know, I, I want to see some more consistency as a as a passer. I know that sounds strange considering the year he just had, but I, I want to see some things that he can really work on underneath uh, in the passing game. Obviously, I love what he can do in, in running the ball. Um, but don't become too reliant on that uh, as a quarterback. I, I've seen guys in, in the past where they go from a guy who can carry a team on their shoulders, like, for example, I know the Penn State bowl game, the Outback Bowl, was, was a blowout with Arkansas kind of pulling away. But I saw K.J. putting that game on himself and trying to run the ball and getting his body beat up to get the, the offense rolling at times. And, you know, it's interesting. Usually in year two with a quarterback, in a system as a starter, their rushing numbers usually go down if you look across college football and its history. And that's usually because the offense gets going more in the passing game because that's what they start focusing on more. But with Arkansas, considering, as I mentioned, what you lose at receiver, are they able to do that fully, or does this offense take a little bit of a half-step back? That's an interesting storyline to me uh, going into this season. You know, Brandon, you mentioned KJ and you mentioned, you know, quarterbacks are very similar to him as well. And I think that that's kind of been the ultimate question I've always had for coaches and how they handle quarterbacks that are gifted athletically like a KJ and all that, where it's like you want them to be able to run because it's a big part of your offense, but you also want them to protect themselves. You don't want them to be too big because they lose their speed, but you don't want them to be too small because then they give themselves up for injury. It's like how difficult is that as a coach to try to find that balancing act to where you want to make them as effective as possible, both as a passer and a runner, but also making sure that they stay healthy so that way they can continue to play. Yeah, it's, it's extremely crucial and critical and, and difficult to kind of maintain. You know, I look at coaches who have been able to coach 
you know, these double threat guys have done so successfully and what they've done from year one to year two with them. And Dan Mullen, I know he's been top fired at Florida, but as a quarterback's coach, he's one of the best. And the way he handled things was in the offseason, he would tell these quarterbacks, listen, I know you're a runner and that's what you want to do, but I'm going to put you in some situations this spring and also when we get back in preseason camp where I'm going to tempt you to run, but I want you to not run. In fact, he would run drills where he would say, listen, this is a play where you should run, but I want you to make a throw, and you've got to make a throw. And he would not let them leave the pocket. And in doing so, he thought that would improve them as a passer, but also up with their decision-making, and then also maybe make them when the season starts to not necessarily hesitate, but to be have a stronger mind of not thinking, hey, I'm just going to drop back and then wait two, three seconds and then run off if something's not there. And it helps guys like a Chris Rolfe at Mississippi State or even a Dak Prescott, for example, at Mississippi State. Um, and then you look at other quarterbacks across the country who have had success. They've gotten the national championship games, for example. Like I, I know I'm mentioning guys that I covered, but it, it's true. Nick Marshall at Auburn became a much better passer in year two, and his rushing numbers ticked down, but the offense was more explosive because he improved as a passer. So I think maybe it'd be interesting if I get to talk to the coaches and others as well, what are they doing with Jefferson this spring in the offseason? Are they doing a similar approach with him, or are they saying, hey, if you don't feel it, take off and run? Because, you know, you can't really practice that, but what you can practice is, hey, let's, let's look for the pass here over the run. What's your take on spring football in general? Some people get really excited for it, and they look forward to seeing spring games and others not so much. Yeah, you know, I used to be one that was really super pumped for spring football. That's kind of that's kicked down a little bit now, especially when you consider all the transfer portal madness we've got going on now where your roster is just not going to be set until probably June or July for a lot of these teams because, let's face it, when May hits, and for that matter, mid-April, um, or I should say May, May, the transfer portal is going to pick back up again, and we're going to see guys exiting and leaving. And some of the guys who are new on campus aren't even participating in practices. So you don't really get – I mean, spring practice is never about getting a really good look at what a team's going to end up being, and it's especially true now because of the portal. So, you know, I look at it as a situation where I want to see some of those guys who are veterans maybe show some uptick in production and you know improving their technique, but also it's more or less about the freshmen and the newcomers and just getting them acclimated. Because, listen, I can't tell you any spring games I've been to where a big-time performance happens with a running back and it's a walk-on, and everybody, including myself, is writing stories about it, and the coaches are even saying things like, he actually has a chance to help us this upcoming season. And I can't tell you how many times that you've gone back and you remember that and you go, I don't remember that guy's name. He had two carries this season uh, in garbage time. So, you know, it is what it is. Spring practice has turned into a situation where it's pretty much just like sitting in, an, in a 90-minute lecture in college. you got to be there, and it helps you learn, but it's just not exciting. <laughs> Speaking with Brandon Marcello of 24-7 Sports here on Out of Bounds. So, Brandon, just in the SEC specifically – is there any particular team that has a really intriguing spring practice, like a team that 
makes you really think. It's like, hey, I want to know what's all going on there, whether it's a new coach or whatnot. Is there any team that really stands out to you? You know, Florida, just because that that quarterback situation is legitimately up in the air, and they're dealing with a new coach, new offense, new defense, the way they go about things. That's really intriguing to me. Um, LSU, new coach as well, but also I'm interested in the quarterback spot. Um, A&M, though, is what really, really has got my attention. I want to see if they could take that next step in the passing game to be more explosive, because that's what's going to take them to that next level of being a playoff contender. And in the spring is when you can see a receiver break out and start winning those one-on-one battles a lot, because as much as we talk about this being like just going to class and being bored to death as a player in these spring practices, those cornerbacks and, and receivers, they get after it in drills all the time. And it's on tape, and they always pride themselves on it. And those are the things that you really want to watch is those type of battles. And with A&M, they've got to have a much more explosive passing game for them to get to that next level. And uh, to me, the Aggies are very, very intriguing from that standpoint. Who's in a better position to win immediately, LSU or Florida? LSU. Uh, they've got the talent. They'll be fine. I mean, they've got a roster right now that should win nine games. Not to say they will, but they've got the roster where they can win nine games. I know they lost a lot of pieces, including during the season when players are just leaving that team, but they, they've got enough there. Florida's going to be a couple of years before we start talking about them potentially being a nine-win team again in my eyes. Um, we'll see. But LSU by far, they, they, they could contend with A&M this year. They could contend with, you know, with, with Alabama if the timing's right with that game in the season, but, but just because they have that type of talent. Are you buying Texas A&M? Because I know a lot of people are. They had that great recruiting class. Jimbo Fisher's an inexperienced coach, but are you buying A&M right now? Not this season, no. I'm not. Um, 2023-24, that's the window for them. Um, and, you know, listen, it would be a disappointment if they don't make the playoffs in the next four years at some point. It would. And that's lofty expectations, but look at the history. Uh, the number one recruiting class in the 24-7 sports deposit between 2011 and 2020 have all reached the college football playoffs and played for the national championship at some point in the four-year period. Um, and that streak can very well continue into, with the 2021 class from Ohio State. They still got three more years to do it. So, you know, listen, A&M better reach the playoff or they're going to break break a tradition there and, and a trend there in college football. So, yeah, they better reach the playoff in these next four years. They're just not going to probably do it this year because of the schedule, but also they've, they've got to figure out that passing game. But they've got the type of receivers now to stretch the field and be much more explosive and have game breakers than they've ever had under Jimbo Fisher. And for that matter, Florida State ever had under Jimbo Fisher. So uh, let's see them kind of catch up with the time, so to speak, with offense, because it's still not quite the type of offense that uh, that wins national titles in this day and age. Alabama, Georgia, they still should be the top teams. And Alabama's in a similar position where they reload pretty much every year. But now – Georgia is in, in a different position where they're coming off a national championship, but we know the amount of talent that they're going to lose. So who would you expect to get back to the top, Alabama, Georgia? I'd say Alabama, you know, um, 
they're they're stacked everywhere you need to be. Georgia, you know, I do wonder about a little bit of a downtick there in production offensively. Defensively, I think we all know that defense is not going to be what it was last year. Um, and not just because they lose Dan Lanning, the defensive coordinator, but because they lose so much talent up front. Uh, that's going to be a reload year for them. Not necessarily a rebuild, but a reload year. And Alabama will come out on top, at least they should, uh, on paper and in the playing the SEC this season. And, and I think potentially win it going away. Well, you mentioned Bama, and it's like, okay, probably that's that's. I think people will probably be safe bet that they're going to be back winning the West once again. But I, I'm looking at it next year, and the the teams in the SEC West besides Alabama, like we know, think that here in Arkansas, they're going to be a good team, an above 500 team. We think Ole Miss, you know, maybe they take steps back. They sure lost a lot on the on the roster as well as coaches. You know, Mississippi State, what are they going to do with Mike Leach? You mentioned Texas A&M not being there just yet this year. Auburn has had some. Crazy stuff this past offseason, LSU with the new coaches. What does it look like in the West besides Alabama? Because it seems like you got about six teams that could find a way to shuffle out in all different types of ways next year. I, I think these next two years are critical for Texas A&M. Well, it's critical for everybody. But for if these teams want to be in contention for that number two spot in the SEC West, which no one wants to be number two in the West, but that means you are contending against Alabama to beat them. And the teams that can get in that slot are Texas A&M, LSU, Arkansas, and Ole Miss. But I think I've got a little bit more confidence in Arkansas, maybe over Ole Miss, as far as just longevity. Um, and so those are the teams you really got to keep an eye on to try and get that number two spot. I think A&M's the favorite to do that because of the recruiting and the amazing coaching staff they've got there. But – Arkansas could do that. If they can kind of keep their arm out and keep pushing LSU to the side, they, they could get to that spot. And to me, though, you know, Auburn and Mississippi State, they're not going to come close to that spot or even come close to being that conversation contention. The recruiting's just not doing very well. And as you mentioned with Auburn, I mean, who the heck knows who their coach is going to be <laughs> tomorrow, let alone in a year or two. <laughs> Well, and I think that Razorback fans hearing you say, say Arkansas is, is exciting, but I'm just curious, why why would you lean towards Arkansas or have more trust in Arkansas, as you put it that way? Is it is it just what Sam Pittman's doing? Is it because of K.J. Jefferson? What is it about them that makes you feel more a little bit more confident in them? Not as much turnover year to year with your star players. You know, Lane Kiffin could be a superstar, and he is a superstar in some sense, but could be a superstar in this transfer portal era. Uh, because of the type of players he can get in immediately. But those type of players he's got coming in and not just being starters for him, but he's the one he, they're leaning on. And you're doing that quarterback, receiver, running back, and then even that pass rush. And it's good on paper, but can you do that year to year where you're legitimately transitioning all, every year with a new player to lean on? That's difficult to do. Too many, too many things could go wrong with that. Meanwhile, Arkansas seems like you got guys that'll be on campus for two or three years, including transfers and, and players that have been on campus since they're in high school. So for that matter and the development that they have done at Arkansas and the staff that they've been able to keep on campus, I go with the stability more so than I do the what if and the excitement and the hope that is provided when you just look at things on paper and bring guys in year to year. 
Yeah, it is kind of weird when you put it that way about his turnover when it comes to not only the roster but also the coaching staff. Like, we've talked about it, but it just in this day and age in college football especially, coaches and players, especially after a, a good year, it seems like it's just coming and going. Like, it's going to look like a completely different team, maybe a completely different coaching staff. And I think that that's what makes Arkansas so unique in that way and also where people are excited about it where they don't have that turnover. They're not having those issues. They're not having those big questions. Okay, well, how is this going to work out? For whatever reason, the past three years straight, they've kept it pretty straight and, and to the narrow of keeping guys in place when it seems like everybody else is trying to leave at different times, too. Yeah, and, you know, you hit on it there with Ole Miss. I mean, you're not just losing your guys. You're losing your top guy, Jeff Levy, going to OU as the offensive coordinator. And I know everybody kind of you know believes that this is just Lane Kiffin's team. That's what in his offense that's what he runs. But, you know, Jeff is a guy that's very well respected as a, as a play caller. Um, and OU has just been praising the heck out of him behind the scenes there uh, since he joined Brent Venable's staff. And, you know, I know Arkansas fans, there's a lot of lot of happiness about, uh, you know, Kendall Bryles not going to Miami, and that's big for them because I don't know what Arkansas would have done offensively, a coordinator, if he had left because that system is, I hate using the word unique, but it really is unique, and, you lose him, you don't come in and bring someone in to replicate it unless they are legitimately from the Bryles tree because they keep that offense so secretive in the way they do things just when even when it comes to practice that you can't bring someone in just to transition the offense into something, you know, seamlessly. You'd have to go a different direction a little bit there. Um, so I, I think that was huge for Arkansas this offseason. Well, Brandon, we just got a couple minutes left with you. Uh, real quick, I wanted to bring this up because I saw you post about it, and I am so curious about uh, your journey that you've been on when it comes to, to weight loss. In fact, uh, you put it up uh, just earlier today that a year ago, March 30th of 2021, you weighed 324 pounds, and now you weigh 185 pounds. That's in- incredible, man. You put up the before-after pictures. You don't even look like the same guy. And so I just want to say kudos to you for that, man. And also, how did you do it? Because that's a ton of weight to lose in a year, but – uh, you were able to pull it off. How'd you make it happen? Oh, thanks, John. I, I uh, just, you know, kind of got down on my knees. I was just at a end point in my life. I'd had like several surgeries the last couple of years. I just wasn't comfortable. I was obviously overweight, wasn't happy. And uh, I just remember I sat down with my wife and I said, listen, I'm going to, I'm going to go buy an elliptical. We're going to go spend the money on this. And I'm starting a diet and exercise next week, in a week. And I'm going to do it. You cannot change my mind on this. I'm going to spend the money. I'm going to do it. You can join me if you want and, and, and help each other along the way, but I'm going to go do this. i got to change my life. So I started March 30th of 2021, and uh, I've used the elliptical maybe a total of 20 times since then because all I do now is I go out and jog outside. Um, I never thought I would be that type of guy. I hate walking outside and jogging. I can never do it. I don't know why, but now I love it. It gets my mind off of things. And so typically I just, I did this Nutrisystem package where I just eat fat and eat lots of vegetables, drink a lot of water. And I go and walk slash jog five days a week. And when I say jog, people are going, wow, that sounds difficult. And, you know, if, if you're a person who was out of shape like I was, because I've never jogged in my life. But listen, I was walking up until two months ago, and now when I jog, I'm not jogging the entire way. I'm jogging like a quarter of a mile here and there. So it isn't like I'm doing hardcore stuff. It's just 
I'm eating right, and I'm walking five days a week. And that's really it. That's really it. I'm not doing anything crazy. I'm not, you know, doing P90X or CrossFit or anything like that. I think I'd die if I tried to do something like that. I'm just out there trying to exercise and, and eat correctly, but you've got to stick to it. And, you know, if anybody's listening to this and they've struggled with their weight like I have throughout my life, listen, it, it seems impossible. It's not impossible. It's just hard and it is difficult. And, you know, a year ago, I could barely crack. I wasn't even cracking it. I was over 20 minutes in a mile. And I was telling myself, why am I even really keeping track of time with all this? Because time is, doesn't mean anything in exercise. Why do why they got to compare themselves to what they're doing? And how do I look when I'm jogging or walking? I just put that all away. I knew I was the big fat guy walking around the neighborhood. People are going, what is that guy doing? He can't move. I, I didn't care. And once you get that out of your mind, you're just focused on yourself. It's not as long as you're moving, you're fine. As I as I said earlier on Twitter, if you're moving, you're losing. And and diet and exercise, that's winning. I mean, don't don't keep the time. There's no point. I mean, I look at my watch now. I go out for a walk or a jog, and it's nowhere near what it would be even for a quote unquote average person as a jogger. But guess what? I'm burning calories because I'm out there moving. So anyway. Long story short, just watch what you eat and get moving, man. Because, I mean, it's, it's been a year, but I'll tell you what. I After that first month, you, I started feeling so much better. And every month since then, it's been a, an extra gain, an extra gain of some sort in my life. And uh, I've never been better and never been happier. Well, that's awesome, man. And like I said, we're happy for you because it's never easy, I'm sure. But uh, Keep guess, doing it, Brandon. You look good. Yeah, man. Like, I'm going to have to update your gra- your graphic that we have for you on the show, man. You don't even look like the same person. So I'm going to have to... <laughs> get a new picture for you on there man so that's well, i appreciate that and, and and thanks guys and again if anybody else is listening to this you know it's it's good everything's difficult in life but you just you just got to do it sometimes it's it's not impossible and you're not going to suffer trust me yeah. i thought it was going to be like that i was in terrible shape and it, it wasn't it's actually been fun uh you know keeping up with it and seeing the changes day to day well, Brandon, man, we appreciate you coming on, not only talking football, but talking about your journey as well, man. Enjoy the rest of uh, spring football, and I know we'll be catching up with you later down the road. All right. See you guys. Thanks for having me.